Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your mercy, which leads to your grace, and your never-ending love, a blessing we can always count on, Lord. Beautiful and glorious name. Amen. So many moons ago, I was in a Christian rock band, and uh, we played all around the Pacific Northwest. We even one time made it halfway up to Canada uh, in playing shows. And we were playing this show uh, south of here, about three hours south of here at the uh, south end of Puget Sound. And we were playing in this cafe, and there happened to be um, uh, quite a bit of people there suffering from homelessness. There were these young, white, teenage cats who were there um, who had been train hopping. They started from uh, the Midwest, and they ended up on the West Coast, and they just happened to be walking by this cafe. And we were playing, and so they came in to hear us. And also, there's this other middle-aged cat that was there um, who was suffering from homelessness. Now, I can see that we need to establish something here. When I say cat, I mean a person. I'm saying cat like, hey, cool cat, like beatnik 60s cat, like, hey, cool cat. It's like, what's happening, Jive Turkey? That's what I mean when I say cat. If it's a meow cat, I'll let you know when it's a meow cat. Otherwise, when I say cat, it's a K and it's a person. We cool? All right. So this middle-aged cat comes up to me, and he says, hey, uh, Sergio, can I talk to you? Sure. I said, of course. You know, we, we bought them all some coffee and some pastries. And I was roughly 20 years old at this point. And he sits me down, and he asks me a question that the church never really prepared me for, because I grew up in church. And he said, Sergio, and he started telling me about his life story and how he had lost everything. He lost his job, his marriage fell apart, he was estranged from his kid for like 20 years, his life on the streets, his addiction to drugs, sleeping with prostitutes, the crimes that he has committed. And he looked right at me and he said, Sergio, I'm a terrible person. I'm a wretched sinner. Do you think God would ever accept me? Do you think I have a chance at heaven? Or am I going straight to hell? And before I could answer him, he continued, he said, because all I want to do is go down to the docks and throw myself into the Puget Sound and just end it all. So we're going to talk about the prodigal son today. Now, if you haven't noticed, I'm not Dudley. Dudley does not get this tan, even as hard as he tries. I'm not Reverend Dr. Dudley. And I've never been to seminary. Unlike Dudley, who has, I think he's like a rocket surgeon or something. I don't know why he'd call him doctor, but he's got all these degrees. I have negative 11 degrees. And when, I'm a lay pastor, and that's because our senior pastor went to go um, plant different churches, and I drew the straw of like, hey, do you want to lead this church? I'm like, sure, why not? It shouldn't be that hard. Um, so all of a sudden, I was sitting there to up here. Um, so really, I'm coming at you today as one of you, as the church. And I always want to remind us all that although pastors are fantastic and church staff is fantastic, they're only part of the equation. We have to remember we are the church. Currently in the United States of America, the estimated ratio of congregant to church staff is 100 to 1. So remember, the gospel is in your hands. Pastors are great. Church staff is great. But we make a big difference in how the gospel is spread 
in our communities. So I'm going to bring this parable down to earth. I'm not going to give you a six-page dissertation on doctrine and principles and all that kind of stuff. Do we sprinkle? Do we dunk? That's, go talk to Scott Mann about that action. I'm not here for that. Um, so I'm just here as a normal guy who loves God and wants to do his will. So we're talking about the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And the prodigal of the parables, uh, uh, the, too many Ps. If this was in Spanish, it would be okay. But apparently, <laughs> everybody took two years of Spanish, and now they don't remember anything once they have to use it. Yeah, I don't know about that, actually. That's a different sermon altogether. The prodigal son is tied to two other parables called the lost sheep and the lost coin. And you can't really separate those two. Because of time, I can't go over them. But they all share the same narrative. And that is, what is lost is found, which is a reason to celebrate. So if you don't get, if the one thing that you get out of today, just remember this phrase, what is lost is found, which is a reason to celebrate. It's not rocket surgery. You don't have to be a software engineer to get it. Now, if you're a software engineer and you don't get it, then well, we got different problems. But my apologies to the software engineers. So as I studied this, I went into um, reading it over. And the first thing that hit me when I was reading this again was, why did Jesus even have to tell this parable? Let's look at Luke 15, 1, 2. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. The only reason we hear this parable is because these fools rolled up deep on Jesus and had to say something with their mouth holes to Jesus. He was talking and ministering to these cats, and they're grumbling behind his back. See, when I read this, I can't help but think that Jesus is a little irritated. Now, you don't have to agree with me. Read it for yourself. Pray. Study it. you got to make up your own mind. you got to wrestle with that. But I can't help to think that Jesus had to say something because he was facing the biases and the prejudices of the culture. It was a response to the injustice because the Pharisees and the scribes were separating themselves from these tax collectors and sinners. They were marginalizing these cats, clearly saying we are not the same. And Jesus has a bit of a problem with that. So let's put it in today's context. Let's say that the Reverend Dr. Dudley, the senior pastor of this church, is out in the lobby, and he's talking to a group of people, some undesirables to you. Maybe he's talking to a pack of Democrats, or possibly a herd of Republicans, or just some religious extremists. Whichever undesirables you have deemed the enemy of the church, that's who Dudley's talking to. So he's talking in the lobby, and your cheeks walks by and is like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Dudley is talking to those people. Which people? Those people. And Dudley's sitting there and he hears you. What? what? Let me tell you a story. And Dudley lays into you with these three parables. How would you feel? Yeah, I can't help but think that Jesus is just a little irritated. Again, you don't have to agree with me. Crack open your Bibles, read it, see what you find. 
Now, in studying the prodigal son, it's, I found that it was kind of the same theme over and over again. It focuses on the three characters, the father, the younger son, and the older son. Good stuff. But I'm presenting to you today is I want you to think about that I believe there's four characters to pay attention to. The father, the younger son, the older son, and the commonly overlooked servants. We look in Luke 15, 22, 23, it says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. See, the servants are just there to do the father's bidding. But when the father celebrates, they celebrate. When the father waits, they wait. I would love to get to the point where I can get beyond my biases and prejudice and just do the father's bidding. I'm not there yet. But I'd like to be. Now, when I was studying this, there isn't anybody who really talks about the servants. I couldn't find anything. I even asked Dr. Dudley. He's like, I haven't heard anything either. So there really isn't enough biblical evidence to say who exactly the servants are. Because they're not really the main point of the parable. But there's somebody. Why are they brought up? So I thought, well, maybe like they're like the angels, right? The angels do God's bidding all the time. We read in the Bible and go ye therefore. And then the angels go. But there is Pastor Tom Brew who works here. I was talking to him about this. And he's like, well, he goes, but the son does say, he goes, even my father's hired servants live better than I do. I'm like, okay, so I guess you can't become an angel. You know, at least I haven't read it in the Bible. Maybe it's in some odd passage that I don't know about. So I'm like, okay, so no angels. So this is how I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it as the servants who were unlike the older brother, in rejecting the younger brother, they were the ones who just accepted the marginalized coming back. They were just the ones that when the father wanted to celebrate, they were ready to celebrate with him. Again, you don't have to agree with me. Crack open that Bible. Study it. Pray about it. Talk with somebody about it. Think about it. So when I was going to do this sermon, I instantly thought of a friend of mine whose story is very much a prodigal son story, as many of us in here um, are. And I told him, like, hey, man, I'm going to go preach, and uh, would you mind if I shared your story? And graciously, he said, yeah, sure, go for it. So for today, for the sake of anonymity, we're going to call my friend Danny. Now, his real name is Danny, but for the sake of anonymity, we're going to call him Danny, too, just so you know. So Danny left the church when he was a young cat, and for the very common reasons that I've heard from a lot of people, of just the people in the church, maybe the church, just things that were going on, things went sour, he kind of wanted to see the world and all that kind of stuff, so he left the church. And he was gone for about 20 years. And then in, um, the Holy Spirit started working on him, started leading him back to God. So he started to pursue that. And he did everything that he could think of, started reading Bibles, started praying and doing all those things. And at some point, he's like, you know, maybe I should talk to somebody about this. So he called up his local pastor where he lived, Pastor Gary. Now, I actually know Pastor Gary. And if you want to, you know, save Pastor Gary's 
anonymitis, anonymity, whatever. You can call him Gary the pastor, whatever. His name is Gary. And so he goes and he meets Gary at the church in his office and he talks to him. He tells him about what's happening with him. He's like, look, I, I'm, I'm trying to find my way back to God and, and I have some questions and, and wondering, you know, if you could help me. And Pastor Gary's like, sure, of course, I'd love to journey with you. I'd love to answer any questions you have. And in talking with him, he's like, you know, as well as I'd love to connect you with a community to help you in your journey. You can do it alone, but you don't have to. We were built for community. Let's, let's find a group of people to help you in this journey. And that's when Danny's like, oh, no, 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 no. See, I said, I'm trying to find my way back to God, not to church. He did not like organized religions. He had plenty of reasons not to like organized religions. He's like, those people are a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of judgmental people. I don't really want anything to do with them. And Gary's like, well, you know what? Let's, let's just let's talk about it more. So Danny agreed. So they set up another meeting. And this time, see, Danny the first time went to Gary's domain. He went to his church and he met him in his office. This time, Gary goes to Danny's domain. The Danny's a mechanic, and so he met him in his garage. And Danny's there in his garage, drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette, blasting rock music in the background to have his meeting with the pastor, Gary. And so they, you know, Gary just rolls up, and they talk, and they go over, you know, all the things in the story. And, and uh, Danny starts telling about his vices and he having to overcome certain things, and how can I make my way back to God if I have these things tugging on me and all these vices, and Gary, you know, is listening to him, and, and he's like, yeah, you know. And, and again, I still think you need to connect with people. He's like, yeah, th see, that too. How am I going to do all that? They're, they're, I'm telling you, those people, they're just judgmental. It's going to make everything worse. And Gary, in his grand wisdom of being a pastor for quite some time, and I think he was a missionary as well, he finally just told Danny, he says, look, man, he says, don't let any of your vices get in the way of your relationship with God. He says, let the Holy Spirit deal with that in due time. Let's just work on you and your relationship with God. Let's let the Holy Spirit do its job. And so he convinced Danny to come to church. And in talking with Danny, I asked him, you know, I was like, so how did it go? And he's like, oh, man, when I went to church those first times, he goes, I just did anything I could to just tick those people off. He's like, I just did stuff that I knew would just push their buttons. Because it was a fairly conservative church. It was kind of a suit and tie kind of church. And by the way, I know that deadly changes, but look, this is like an Iron Man suit. If I'm going to take the time to put this thing on, I'm leaving it on. All right? <laughs> so if you can't handle a suit being in here, too bad. Um, so we're going to Thunderdome this action. Um, so... He goes, and so he wore his Harley Davidson t-shirt, and he wore his bandanas and his jeans and his boots. And I, I didn't even ask him, but I'm pretty sure he was smoking in the parking lot by his car or his bike or whatever he took. And just to prove, you know, these people are, they're just a bunch of hypocrites and judgmental people. They won't accept me. And he tells me, he says, from the second I stepped into that church, those people just loved me. They just loved on me. And I was wrong. And Danny now is a pillar in his church. And he hasn't overcome all of his vices, but in time, the Holy Spirit did take care of a lot of them. But he struggles like the rest of us. And I see the people of that church that just openly welcomed back in and Pastor Gary 
as the servants who merely wanted to celebrate with the father that Danny was coming home. They're my heroes. I can only hope to be like that. There's another pastor that I respect that you might know. His first name sounds like Scott, and his last name rhymes with Dudley. I don't know if you know him. He's a rocket surgeon or something like that. But he's, he's respected in his community. Um, and he once said, said I, would rather, uh, I would far rather go to church with messed up people seeking Jesus than the religious people who think they're his enforcer. And when he said that, I couldn't help but think of Danny. Because now, Danny, many times, because of his experience of coming back to God and finding it through a church again, he continually coins this phrase. He says, God does not call us to be bouncers, but ushers to the kingdom of heaven. So there I was, roughly 20 years old, and a man's life, I felt, was hanging in the balance with the next words that I was about to speak. And in the back of my brain, I was flipping out. What was I going to say to this cat? Whatever I said, I knew how to be theologically sound. I knew it better be inspirational. I think it was like a movie. I was hoping that when I was done speaking, there'd be like a slow clap from the background from some barista, just like, that's beautiful, man. Like, whatever I'm going to say better make sense. But honestly, I've told this story many, many times, and I cannot remember what I said. I blacked out or something. I know my mouth was moving, but my brain was deer in headlights. And my prayer and my hope is that the Holy Spirit just took over and said what God needed to say to this man. But I don't really have a happy ending for you. All I know is that when we left that cafe that night, the docks to the Puget Sound were to the left, and the homeless shelter was to the right. And that is the direction that the man was walking. So I don't know if we bought him a day. I don't know if we bought him a week or a year. I, I may never know. And I tell this story not to um, ex uh, exploit this man's pain, and definitely not to like make me look like I'm more righteous than I am, because that is definitely not the case. I continually tell this story as a reminder to myself and to us that this is not a game. There are people out there who desperately want to know if they are accepted by God. There are people in this room who desperately want to know if they are accepted by God. Never forget that the gospel is in your hands. So who do you want to be? You want to be a bouncer? Or you want to be an usher? And if you're someone who's dealing with depression, please find somebody you trust. And talk to them. And if you don't have that person, let's use the resources of this church. Let's put this money to good use and call a pastor or someone here. We have resources here to help. Your pain does not have to go silent. So my challenge to you, 
So you got to wrestle with this. Is take inventory of your life. Maybe God's actually pulling you in a direction that either you're resisting or just not paying attention to. Maybe you just need to listen more. Listen to those who cross your paths a little bit more. There's probably a lot of opportunities that God has given you outside of this church. And either we are too busy, too self-absorbed, too distracted to recognize that God is at work. Pray for more of the Spirit to give you eyes to see and ears to hear. Take real inventory of our lives today and ask ourselves, with whom do we celebrate? Bow your hands with me. Our Father, again, I want to thank you so much for your mercy which leads to your grace because I need it every single day. I thank you so much for your continual blessing of being with us. You really are the Emmanuel. Some of us today may be struggling, just trying to keep our head above water, and all we need to remember is that you are in the boat with us. May we pray for your spirit to give us the courage to turn to you, to move forward with you, Lord. We love you. And for those of us who do not know that love, may those of us here who do share it with them so we can really be the salt of the earth in your beautiful and glorious name. And we all said, amen.